Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's start with Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Joshua P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more. On this edition of the program, is Halloween bad? Plus, plus, I am finally ready to release some new footage. I've been sitting on this for three years, and I'm excited to tell you about it. <laughs> I was just given the green light to finally release this, and it's footage of something very strange at a powerful, famous location. So this one will surprise and delight you. But let's get into this question of whether or not Halloween is bad. When I was a teenager growing up in the rural mountains of Western North Carolina, the father of a teenage girl in my neighborhood stormed into my workplace, shouting at me, accusing me of basically being satanic and telling me that I was forbidden to date his daughter. The good news is, I actually wasn't really interested in his daughter. So this is not a sad story. It's, it was kind of a, a relief in a way because I was feeling like pressured a little bit that I should go out with this girl. But look, let me, let me explain to you what happened and the point that I'm trying to make here. Okay. I started writing articles and publishing them and books and all that kind of stuff when I was really young. I, I started writing my first book when I was like 14, came out when I was 15. And my first book was a collection of scary short stories and poems called Joshua Warren's Gallery of Mystery and Suspense. 
Uh, good luck finding a copy of that now. I think I have a digital copy somewhere that I probably have never released. Maybe I'll do that one of these days. I'm not sure. Maybe I did and I forgot about it. But anyway, that was my first attempt at, at uh, trying to be a professional writer. And so growing up in Western North Carolina, surrounded by all these legends and folklore and stuff, I like these spooky tales. And so my book, it had stories that were scary, but uh, in no way did it glorify the, the, the dark side. I mean, like, for example, the kinds of stories were like, there, there were violent stories. Like there was one about this statue that would come to life and kill people. And then there was one about this kid who was living in a, in a haunted bedroom. Uh, it's, it's that kind of stuff. But, uh, it, the, the the bad things in the stories were presented as bad things because these were supposed to be scary. I wasn't saying these were good, good guys. I was saying like, no, be afraid of this dark, evil stuff. That's that's the whole point. If anything, you could say it uh, reinforced having faith in the good side, the spiritual side. I mean, you could make that case. Especially when you consider, as I've said before, that the Bible is uh, the most paranormal book ever written, full of very scary things, including a lot of demonic activity and exorcisms. And like the Bible is a scary book, especially if you take all that uh, to heart, you know. So. So the book that I wrote should have been a non-threatening book. People automatically, though, started in my neighborhood saying, oh, this guy's into dark stuff. There was a satanic panic that had gone on in the 1980s when everybody, every rebellious kid was called a Satanist and they were on the daytime talk shows. And if you were into horror movies or Halloween, oh, that's 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 devil worship. So that all went on. And um, and I was often associated with that just because I like scary stories. And so bearing that in mind and, and you also have to realize, like Billy Graham Reverend Billy Graham literally lived a few miles down the road and there was a church on every corner. I mean, very much part of the, the Bible Belt area of Western North Carolina. So um, I was probably I'm thinking like 17 at the time and the lunch lady at my school, uh, she always was very interested in the work that I did and she she was supportive and she told me one day, she was like, there's this nice Christian girl who, uh, who lives in, you know, like it was, she would literally live like right down the road from me. And she goes, I, you know, I bet she'd love to, to go out on a date with you. I need to introduce you guys. Well, and she was homeschooled. So, I, so anyway, finally I said, okay, fine. I'll, I'll go, uh, meet with this uh, girl's family. So they invited me over for dinner. And I went over to the house and here was the father who looked like Michael Douglas. And, uh, and here's the, the mother and, and she's a very pleasant lady. And the daughter was, was a very polite, you know, sweet young lady. And there's, of course, pictures of Jesus all over the house. And we sat down, we had a nice dinner. And then afterward, I mean, it kind of felt a little too old fashioned because afterward he kind of like was like, I give you permission to take my daughter kind of thing. And I was thinking, I did, I wasn't really exactly coming here for that, but okay, fine. She seemed like a nice enough, young lady that I could just go see a movie with her or something like that. I've had lots of platonic 
friends who are females throughout my entire life. And uh, at least that's what I tell my wife. No, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. And so basically what happened was uh, I went one day and I picked her up and we went to like a fast food restaurant and then we went to the mall and we watched a movie and I took her home and she was absolutely like she was described. I mean, she never cursed. She never said anything bad about anybody. You know how like a lot of times the kids who are raised in the super Christian families end up being uh, the ones that rebel like, oh, that's that's the troublemaker. The parents just don't know. It wasn't like that at all. She really was just a, a very um uh, let me let me put it this way she was a very faith centered person and she was genuine and i you know so we had a nice time uh and i would have hung out with her more but i just she wasn't my type romantically so to speak so i wasn't really interested in pursuing that but nonetheless at some point in the midst of this her dad got a hold of my book which i assumed that he probably already knew i'd written a book that's kind of a, an unusual thing for somebody my age so here I was working at this place of business. And again, I'm probably like 17 years old. The door flies open. I'm a clerk at the counter. He comes inside. He's got the book. He slams it down on the counter and he's yelling at me and saying, this is trash. This is a devil worship. This is satanic. Don't ever come around my daughter, blah, 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 blah. And it was actually just, uh, it, it was shocking, but at the same time, uh, it was not, you would think it would be more surprising than it was because I was used to dealing with that kind of thing. Uh, it had been going on for years already. And so, of course, after that, you know, I, I, I never obviously tried to contact his daughter again. Uh, but I thought to myself, especially now that I'm a grown man, I look back and I think, what a childish thing for a grown man to do, the, especially a man who looks like Michael Douglas. <laughs> It's just childish and stupid. And, uh, you know, he could have gotten that message across another way. And I think that that is part of the problem that a lot of times when people overreact to this kind of stuff that's rather harmless, they give it power. They make it more attractive to people who want to twist it into something dark. Uh, for example, uh, of course, when I was growing up, marijuana was strictly illegal. I mean, you could go to prison. Even when I was a grown man, if you got caught with some marijuana, you could go to jail. And now, you know, I live in Las Vegas and Las Vegas is just like many other places where you can go to the store and walk in and a sales a marijuana sales person will come up and they'll tell you about their wares and you can pick and choose all these varieties of marijuana that you want and take it home and enjoy it or they'll deliver it to your house i mean it's <laughs> the world has changed so much just in my lifetime and so the attitudes uh regarding that kind of stuff ha ha has changed as well so that's that's part of the good news but what I, I one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this was because recently, well, okay, I think some people can handle spooky stuff and some people cannot. I was recently watching this series on Netflix called Dahmer. It's about Jeffrey Dahmer, Dahmer, monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. And this is a fictionalized version of what he did, but it's supposed to be very accurate. And then I think they've also come out with a like a documentary version but that I haven't seen yet. 
Okay. Uh, when we come back from this break, I'm going to tell you about a moment in this show about Jeffrey Dahmer that stood out in my mind and how it applies to this question of whether or not Halloween is fundamentally bad and whether or not it's it's good to expose yourself to this kind of stuff or allow your children to be exposed to it. Um, I think you're going to be... I think you're going to like some of the points I'm going to help you uh, think about here in a minute. And then, of course, later on, the footage. But, hey, listen, the holidays are coming up here in 2022. And uh, I I love to do charitable things. I'm a generous guy. I give away lots of free, cool stuff, especially around the holidays. And I don't always talk about it. A lot of times I just do it anonymously. If you want to participate, if you want to possibly be selected to receive some free gifts, well, go to joshuapwarren.com. There is no period after the P. And just take two seconds and put your email address into my free e-newsletter bank. It's a little box there on the homepage. You put your email address in there, you hit the submit button, and when you do that, you will instantly receive some links automated to some free digital gifts right then and there just for doing that. And then, well, I've got some surprises coming up for you the rest of the year. Do that at joshuapwarren.com. I am Joshua P. Warren, and you are listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com strange things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot strange things. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks With zero qualifications She had a Harvard plaque Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. By the way, I know a lot of people who used to smoke marijuana just about every day. Uh, and then they move to a city where marijuana is legal and yeah, they're not interested anymore. They just don't smoke it anymore. Seriously, a lot of people. And um, I guess this is part of the forbidden fruit phenomenon that if you take something away from people and you make a big deal out of it, you can empower it. You can give it energy and attraction by making it taboo. Uh, and so uh, often that's what we encounter when it comes to some of these dark topics associated with Halloween and horror movies. By the way, you know, I, I of course, I love the Halloween season. And uh, my, as a matter of fact, my birthday is October the 25th, so it's pretty close to Halloween. And I, if you really want to hear me talk about like the history of Halloween and tell some of my favorite Halloween stories, go back and listen to episode 52 of this podcast. Uh, it's called something like fun Halloween tales, fun and spooky Halloween tales. And I did that last year and I'd love to repeat myself, but there's no point. So just if you, if you're in the mood for some really Halloweeny stuff, go back and listen to episode 52. But. Okay, let's get back to the point that I was trying to make here. So in this Jeffrey Dahmer show, which is very accurate, I mean, they they use transcripts from people in court to get it right down to the dialogue and all the little subtle actions that supposedly occurred between him and other people. They show that Jeffrey Dahmer was obsessed with the movie called The Exorcist 3. 
Uh, and that came out in 1990. And it was, uh, I think it was actually written and directed by William Peter Blatty, who was the guy who wrote the, the original Exorcist novel. But he loved that movie Exorcist 3 so much that that's how he would pump himself up. But if when he was going to kill somebody, a lot of times he would make that person watch the Exorcist 3. And uh, not only did he talk about that, but the the reason he got caught was because, you know, this one guy got away and he and the guy said that Dahmer was sitting there watching this movie and he would he went into kind of like a trance state where he's closed his eyes and he starts chanting and murmuring all this weird stuff. And so this inspired him, this movie. And so a lot of people can be like, oh, man, well, that movie is evil. Look at that. That movie inspired this man to do all that stuff. But you see, here's the problem. That movie cost $11 million to make, and it earned $44 million at the box office. And there's no telling how much it has made since then. How many people watched that movie who did not become a Jeffrey Dahmer? Just about everybody, okay? (laughs) People watched that movie, and they didn't go out and kill and eat people. And it's easy to always, you know, we, we, we try to explain like, why do evil people do evil things? That's natural. Why, why, why? That's the first question that we often ask. I think maybe we ask how and then why. What you have to understand is that people have been extremely violent throughout the course of history, long before there was an internet or TV or movies or video games. Some people are just more prone to violence. If anything, we live in a less violent world now than we did a uh, hundred years ago or certainly a thousand years ago. We just see the violence that occurs now more due to cameras everywhere and the Internet and mass media. So the sad news is that even though there is less violence overall, Humans still seem to be as sinister as ever, especially when you have power hungry people that are always going to try to take over the world. And 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 apparently nothing can change that. I guess that is the nature of life on Earth. This whole this whole place is about the battle between good and evil. Now, perhaps there is a place where that battle does not exist. Some other dimension and some rung of the afterlife. But here. On this plane, on this earth, it appears it always will. So, is Halloween bad? It can give bad people an excuse to give in to the dark side, but it doesn't make or break anybody. You know, BTK, the serial killer, one of the worst ever, he was a church leader and a Boy Scout leader and an ADT security tech, and a county employee. I think he even used church computers to send some of his letters to the cops, which is what got him caught. A church-going man can be evil, and a devil worshiper can be evil, and an atheist can be evil. So pick your poison. 
But thinking about concepts alone does not make a person evil. Thinking about concepts allows one actually to become intelligent and hopefully successfully determine good from evil. I'm not saying that you, that you, you should expose everybody to this. If you know somebody who seems like they are already moving in a dark direction, maybe that person can't handle being exposed to some of this darker material. You, and, and that's, I mean, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but I'm also saying we can't just explain this as a cause for people who do bad things. Halloween can be a wonderful and refreshing time to acknowledge our relationship to a spiritual realm and think about death and therefore appreciate life and behave ourselves, distancing ourselves from bad spirits. But regardless, part of all this is being intelligent enough to not take everything so literally serious. Having a sense of humor is a sign of intelligence as well. You know, one of my favorite comedians was Norm MacDonald. And he died last year of cancer. I actually got to see him in one of his last performances here in Vegas. And he kept it a secret that he had cancer. So it was a big surprise when he died. Uh, but I just, I'm so fortunate that I got to have that experience. And yes, he'd had cancer for a long time. But I look back and I almost feel like that Norm Macdonald's death just timed out perfectly with the death of comedy that we're seeing in this world right now. Uh, comedians, they are in a very tight spot because now everybody's so sensitive and easily offended. And they take everything so seriously, it's hard to make a joke about anything. And the death of comedy is a canary in a coal mine because you know what? True evil People and true evil beings and true evil forces do not want you to laugh because when you laugh, you're feeling good. You're feeling happy. Evil does not want you to be happy. Evil wants you to suffer. And so that is part of the evil program, the evil design to remove any source of happiness and joy and release from your life. And you cannot take things so seriously. Um, if you do, okay, if you take things too seriously all the time that you're willing to, to blame other people and accuse other people of being evil because they enjoy the entertainment of thinking about and acting out some of these, you know, horror movies and spooky things that we do at Halloween. Well, that implies that you are smarter than you actually are. And that is arrogance and that is hypocrisy so halloween is not inherently bad for most people we can handle it and it's fine and you can turn it in you can twist it and turn it into something bad because you have a problem with it you know people ask me what i'm going to do for halloween being here in the las vegas area um There are lots. You never know what interesting people you're going to meet here in Las Vegas. Speaking of another celebrity who passed away uh, about five years ago, I got on an elevator and I turned around. There was Coolio, the rapper on the elevator with me, with his security guys. And I always loved Coolio's music. 
you know, he just died recently and he was fairly young. I think he was in his fifties and, uh, you just never know. And of course I actually didn't say anything to him because that, um, you never know when you start talking to a, a celebrity if they're going to like that or not. And I kind of respect people's privacy, but people watching is a big thing here in Las Vegas. Just, uh, I, there, there, well, there's this one place on the strip. Um, I guess I shouldn't point out the name of this place, but there's this place on the strip where a lot of folks go to have a drink on this outdoor patio and they just people watch. And, uh, I was there recently with my wife, Lauren, and, uh, you know, I, I started talking to the bartender and I thought this is a pretty primo spot on the trip, on the, uh, on the strip. And I thought that, um, I would ask him a question that would be sort of insightful because I was recently at this other bar in a casino that was 20 minutes away from the strip. And I asked the bartender, how much is the lease that you pay per month to have this bar in this casino? When we come back, I'm going to tell you how much he pays. And then I asked that same question to this bartender on the strip. Take a guess. How much do you think it costs to lease a space per year right there on the Vegas strip? And then speaking of comedy, well, I'm going to tell you about this new footage that I've been teasing. It's pretty wild. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be back after these important messages. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing. Right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always gonna have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels 
a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. Yeah, a lot of people like to sit on the Vegas Strip and just people watch around Halloween. And, you know, when I say Halloween these days, I'm not even really talking about October 31st. Usually people have their big party on the Saturday that is closest to October 31st. Um, I guess, well, usually the, the Saturday before October 31st, because I can't think of too many people doing it after that. So I guess that's how it would work. But anyway, so. I was curious, uh, again, about like how much do these spaces cost? And so, again, this I went to this one restaurant in a casino. This is a bar restaurant that is 20 minutes away from the strip. I asked the bartender how much their lease is in this spot per month. And he said it is $40,000. Let me repeat that. $40,000 per month. 20 minutes from the strip and I'm looking at that mathematically and I'm like, you guys are selling a lot of beer and <laughs> cause it was packed out, but still, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine how much you would have to sell to make that worthwhile. But listen to this. When I was sitting there at this primo spot on the strip where you can see all the people walking around and it's, it's close to the Bellagio fountains and stuff. And I asked the bartender there the same question. He said, and this is not a very big space. I mean, it's, it's, it's an okay size space, but it's not huge. It's not giant. He said that their lease right there was $300,000 per month. Yeah. I'll repeat that one also. $300,000 a month to rent this space for this bar right on the Vegas strip. Isn't that wild? 
again, mathematically, I don't know how that works out. But anyway, I thought that was interesting and maybe you will too. So what am I going to do? Well, I usually keep my plan for Halloween a secret. And that's because I do not want to be disturbed. Uh, all Halloween season, you know, I'm, I'm just like insanely busy, uh, dealing with projects and customers and media interviews and all this stuff. And so sometimes I actually try to get away, you know, for my Halloween. And I, I, I tell you about it after the fact, <laughs> but I will say this. If you are near the Las Vegas area, and you come on my haunted Boulder City ghost and UFO tour, which is an easy stroll, a 60 minute walking tour. Uh, Boulder City is like 30 minutes outside Vegas and, uh, you can drink a beer on the street. We meet at Beer Zombies, which is this, <laughs> you can imagine it's a bar called Beer Zombies. We meet there. You can get a drink and take it with you on the one hour tour. And uh, they're going to have a lot of big parties of fun stuff there. HauntedBoulderCity.com. HauntedBoulderCity.com. I was talking about the importance of having a sense of humor so that you don't take things too seriously. And I have a lot of friends who are comedians, actually. Uh, it's funny. I've, I've naturally found myself friends with people who are like stage magicians and stand-up comedians. Uh, and, you know, I've even shared the screen with greats like Robin Williams. And I did a TV show a while back with Rob Riggle on the Discovery Channel. And uh, I could go on. But for some reason, I have fallen into those circles. I think there's a lot of commonality between interest in the paranormal and comedy and stage magic. Um, but three years ago... I was contacted by a stand-up comedian named Chelsea Skidmore, and she has a podcast in Hollywood, and let's see, uh, her podcast is called The Chelsea Skidmore Show. Yeah, simple enough. I thought that's what it was, but so Chelsea is C-H-E-L-S-E-A. And Skidmore is S-K-I-D-M-O-R-E, Chelsea Skidmore Show. So three years ago, she invited me to come to Hollywood there in Los Angeles and sit down with her in person and be on her podcast. And it turns out that uh, she performs a lot at the Comedy Store, which is there in West Hollywood. And her husband, Stephen Randolph, is also a stand-up comedian who performs at the Comedy Store. And he also has a podcast and it's called So Deep with Stephen Randolph. He spells that S-T-E-V-E-N-R-A-N-D-O-L-P-H. Stephen Randolph, So Deep. They're both great podcasts. And I'm sure if you type in my name and Chelsea Skidmore, you can go back and watch the thing I did with her. Because she films her podcast at the Comedy Store. Now, if you know anything about stand-up comedy, you probably realize that the Comedy Store in Hollywood is about the closest you're going to get to holy ground in the world of stand-up comedy. This club opened in April of 1972. And I mean, basically uh, anybody who has made it in comedy went to the comedy store and performed there. And it became like a second home for them. 
So like I'm just looking at uh, just the gigantic list of people in front of me, like you know Richard Pryor, Chris Rock, Tim Allen, George Carlin, Jim Carrey, Dave Chappelle, uh, Robin Williams, Louis C.K. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, I'm just like Eddie Murphy. I mean, like, if you can name a comedian, you know, David Letterman, Jay Leno, if you can name a comedian, that person has performed at the comedy store and has been a part of that culture. The stories there go on and on and on, because, as you know, uh, a lot of comedians have very troubled lives and tragic endings. Uh, I mean, look at what happened to Robin Williams, for example. He, he committed suicide. Um, and so uh, there is this in- incredible amount of energy at these places, not to mention the fact that the comedy store for years has been known to be haunted, not just from the energy of all of these tortured performers and stuff. Uh, and, and but, but I say tortured, but like they may have had personal demons, but when they got on that stage, like that stage was a beacon of just unbelievable ecstasy, like a huge radiant ball of power. It was like the center of the earth, you know, being on that stage at the comedy store with all these people howling with laughter. But supposedly at one point in the past, uh, a mobster owned it and uh, there were some people murdered there. Um, I, you know, I, and of course, lots of drugs have been done there. Uh, I don't know the, the truth about the mobster thing, but I will tell you this. Uh, in 1979, stand up comedians formed a, uh, a short lived labor union and demanded to be paid for appearances at the comedy store. Apparently for a while, they weren't even paying people. And without getting into all the details of that, um, when it was resolved after the strike, some comedians were no longer allowed to perform at the club, including a man named Steve Lebetkin. And after that, guess what he did? He went next door to, I think it's a hotel called the Continental Hyatt House. Yeah, it's a 239 room Hyatt Hotel. And he jumped off the roof and committed suicide right there in the parking lot of the comedy store. And he left a suicide note that said, my name is Steve Lebetkin. I used to work at the comedy store. Uh, and I mean, like I could probably sit here for an hour and just tell you stories about the dramatic personalities associated with that place. So Chelsea Skidmore said, I have this little room at the comedy store where I'm able to do my podcast and her podcast is also filmed. So it's one of those things where you get to hear it, but you also see the people sitting there. I I think of that as a webcast, but anyway, so I was very excited because she said, you know, you can come and maybe do a little investigation and stuff here. I said, yep. So Lauren and I, uh, we drove to Hollywood and I went into the comedy store sat down with her and Steven for at least a couple of hours and did this podcast. And then after that, we were able to do a little ghost hunt. And I went into the main room there where all of these uh, incredibly charismatic people have been performing. And the first thing I did was I was like, okay. And of course, we're the only people there. The whole place is empty. This is like 
in the afternoon. I said, I got to stand on this stage and just see what it feels like. Use my imagination. So I walked up onto the main stage at the comedy store and I swear I felt kind of disoriented, but I can see why that like this feels like the center of the earth. Just the, the, the audience energy focused on that spot. It truly is. It kind of made me feel lightheaded. It was like a dizzying thing. And I'm looking around and I'm feeling this incredible like cylinder, this tornado of energy this vortex of energy that has been sort of psychically burned into this spot. Right. So then I go around and I start, uh, doing my investigation. Now, needless to say, obviously the place has got all kinds of, uh, erratic electromagnetic and electrostatic fields. But one of the most surprising things happened when I turned on a so-called full spectrum camera, and pointed it at that stage and through and only through that camera i was able to see something something that i cannot explain and when we come back i'm going to tell you what i saw and how you can see it too i'm joshua p warren you're listening to strange things on the iheart radio and coast to coast am paranormal podcast network and I will be right back. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels. A story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and here I was in this immortal location, the Comedy Store at West Hollywood, with two stand-up comedians, Chelsea Skidmore, Stephen Randolph, standing back several rows away looking at the main stage there the focal point of the universe for the most charismatic people who have ever lived and and you could you could almost argue that that's the case because you know to be a stand-up comedian you have got to hold mass audiences in the palm of your hand. And these were some of the best. I mean, these were the best ever. And so uh, I had a digital camera with me, which is called a full spectrum camera. Now, there are different versions of this kind of thing, but here's what it basically means. Um, most of the time when you get a digital camera, that digital camera is capable of picking up light outside of the visible uh, human uh, spectrum. So in other words, we look at something and we can see from red on the long end up to violet on the short end, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And that is, we measure that in nanometers. And so supposedly like the average human eye is able to see from 380 to 700 nanometers. But a lot of these cameras have filters that take out some of the ultraviolet and infrared light because that stuff messes up the picture if you want the picture to look the way it looks to the naked human eye. 
So people don't take a picture usually because they're ghost hunting. Uh, they take a picture because they want to capture what they're seeing. So there are adjustments that are made either with physical filters or uh, digital software filters that that take out some of those frequencies so the colors match. So when you get these so-called like full spectrum cameras, some engineer has often gone in there and removed those filters. So it, the colors are going to look off, but you're going to see things that would normally be blocked out. So this camera that I had was uh recording from 280 to 1200 nanometers. I know this is a little geeky, but let me just go back and say the human eye can see from 380 which is that's your violet uh and and this goes down to uh 280. So we're looking into the ultraviolet. And then uh the human eye can see to 700 which is red and this goes down to 1200 which is infrared so you're getting more infrared than ultraviolet all right that said i'm shining i'm I'm pointing this camera at this stage and right in the middle actually i think it was stephen randolph who was operating the camera and i was standing next to him i don't remember exactly but anyway stephen and i were there and we point the camera at the stage and here you see at that exact spot where the comedians would stand this bright violet aura just burned right there. Like, like a ghostly imprint just burned in the middle of that stage. And of course, at first I was like, could this be a reflection or some other weird effect? So I go around and I'm pointing it at lights and, and reflective things. And it's like, I could not rule this out. It appeared to actually be, some kind of an aura that was burned into the middle of that stage. And I didn't have enough time to, to, to really dig deeper into that. But after I got that, uh, I thought, man, I may have captured evidence of an imprint here. And I wanted to release this three years ago. And at that time, Chelsea and Steven said they wanted me to hold off. And I don't want to get into the reasons that they wanted to hold off, but they were just like, let's not release this just yet. So I've been sitting on this for three years and finally uh, I contacted them. They're like, okay, go for it. It's okay. Put it out there. So this is a one minute video clip that was shot October of 2019. If you want to see it right now, go to joshuapwarren.com. There's no period after the P and scroll down uh in the curiosity shop at the top you'll see curiosity shop scroll down and you will see somewhere the word comedy and if you click that that is your link to watch this one minute video clip and i'd like to see what you think about that so go to joshuapwarren.com click the link to the curiosity shop and go down to comedy and by the way you know this is a free show so if you like this show and you want me to keep doing it uh, please buy something from the Curiosity Shop while you're there. You can get something for as cheap as $9.95. Just do something to support the show, please. But thank you so much, Chelsea and Stephen, for uh, our friendship. We are all friends now and um, allowing me to put this out there. And it's just a really, it's a really amazing document that may have something to do with the haunted history of the comedy store. 
Okay, I'm running short on time. I do want to point out something, though, about entertainment in general that just kind of stood out in my mind. A lot of people contact me all the time, and they want to tell me about uh, their positive experiences and how much they enjoy the show. And uh, I just want to say that I know a lot of people who do these kinds of podcasts, they put a camera there in front of them. And I could put a camera in front of me and you could see me sitting here doing the show, but I have very consciously decided not to do that. And I was watching an interview that Orson Welles did with Johnny Carson in 1976. And the great Orson Welles said that in his opinion, and of course, Orson Welles, you know, he not only did he make Citizen Kane, but, you know, he was a big radio guy and he produced the War of the World scare and all that stuff. He said that he thought that radio was a wider screen than TV. Now, think about that. Because at that time, you know, he had seen it move from radio into movies and then into television. Radio is a wider, W-I-D-E-R, radio is a wider screen than TV. And And to me, podcasting is radio. It's all... And he said that Mae West said that she did not want to be on TV because she did not want to be on anything that was smaller than life. And he thought that was a perfect statement. Orson Welles said, quote, television is sort of a punch and Judy frame. And when you were on radio, there was no frame. It was as wide as the world itself. You were suddenly wherever you thought you were, end quote. And I feel the same way. I think even today's biggest screens do not compare to the experience you create for yourself when you are just sitting or doing whatever you're doing and listening to effective words. And I turn down most appearances on TV and whatnot for that reason. I still do them from time to time. I just keep it fairly rare. And I'm glad it has that impact on people. And I get all these inspirational emails from people who listen to the show. And here is one that comes from Charles. And he said that uh, he has been really enjoying experimenting with the good fortune tone and the money sigil. He said that he went three weeks to bingo in his neighborhood and he never won anything. But he started experimenting with the money sigil and listening to the good fortune tone. He says, I went last Thursday and I won three times for $150. And then I started going back and I won more. I've now had five wins in three trips. He says, that is the best I've ever done at bingo I'm getting the hang of this and I'm going to a couple of casinos in the next couple of weeks. So I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that, Charles. And we're sending great vibes your way. And you know what? A lot of people who try to manifest things, they just think they're going to make a wish and then sit back and it's just going to magically appear. A leprechaun's going to make it fall in your lap. But no, you have to get out there and you have to take action. And, um, You know, there's a a lady who does motivational speaking. Her name is Jess Hughes. And she says, you can find evidence for whatever you want to believe. So whatever you're doing, I want you to take a positive perspective on it 
and say like, look, I am going to manifest this. It's it's not a gift that's handed down from the nether realm or from the heavens. It's just what you are capable of envisioning. So take a deep breath. Here's some positive energy. Here's the good fortune tone. That's it for this edition of the show. Follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren. Plus, visit JoshuaPWarren.com to sign up for my free e-newsletter to receive a free instant gift and check out the cool stuff in the Curiosity Shop all at JoshuaPWarren.com. I have a fun one lined up for you next time, I promise. So please tell all your friends to subscribe to this show and to always remember the golden rule. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.